Welcome, everybody, to a special episode of the Movie Overload podcast. Whoa, we're halfway there. (laughs) Whoa! Lemon and a pear. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. We are, (laughs) but we did it. Yep. We we did 50 episodes, and after this, there's going to be 50 more, and mm-hmm. that's kind of exciting. I, I yeah. feel accomplished. We've Almost made it a year's worth of we've, episodes. Yeah, we've made it from 1902 to 1977, I guess. Repeatedly. Yeah, uh, a trip to the moon to Suspiria and, uh, and everything in between, also <laughs> not including Woody Allen. Fuck Still. Woody Allen. Uh, was Woody Allen active during that's the That's what I was yes. about to ask. Was he? In the 70s? Yeah. Okay, I'll like check. Uh, I'll, Annie I'll Hall check. was oh, no. definitely a 70s I, movie. I, I will not uh, lie. I've only seen half of Annie Hall, and I've avoided the rest of his filmography because, uh, yeah, his very personal films uh, about a person that I don't want to think about intimately in my life yeah. aren't an idea of a fun time for me personally. He's Although guy, I get people who... He's a guy who sucks shit, I think is what you mean to say. I, I mm-hmm. get people who ha- had a connection to his films prior to that and you have mixed feelings and whatever and you still try yeah. and enjoy things. Don't but, let him take that away from you, but yeah, I, have, I can't get into it. We have such an easy time as a society making excuses for and forgiving men who do really shitty things because they're good at something that we like or enjoy. I feel like that's something like we should get better at. Like, um, uh, I mean, this doesn't particularly relate to movies, but that currently yeah, happened a bit in hockey world oh. where people are like, well, oh. he, he good at hockey, so can't be that bad. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how that works. But okay. Yeah. And I think we can still appreciate like the artistry and joy of a lot of films that are made by abusive people because it's not just their movie. A bunch of other people did work on it. Yeah. And they are responsible for that. But I'm personally of the opinion that it is very important to like know the views of the filmmaker going in so that you can be aware of like any messaging they may have because propaganda is not nearly as effective if you are <laughs> aware of exactly what it's doing. Please see many previous episodes of this podcast for more discussion on this topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally any ever. episode. This comes up probably. Welcome to the podcast in which all we do is beat dead horses. Uh, that's that's our only skill. <laughs> yeah. Beat dead horses. We also talk about things we like sometimes. Yeah, uh, that's which true. In which case, we, we beat the dead horse <laughs> about about the thing that we like as well. Yeah, uh, like uh, there will be so much Cleo from five to seven. There will be. A, hey, uh, stop! Stop! Don't call me out! Don't steal my thunder! <laughs> uh, it'll be fun. Uh, I'm very much not looking forward to all the Star Wars discussion that will happen on uh, one specific end so of the table interested to see in if a few happens. weeks. Yeah. Uh I I I I can assure you I will be miserable. <laughs> yeah. No no, I I can I can certainly attest to the fact that at least one of us will be miserable if not if not more of us. We'll see. <laughs> um by the way, my name uh for this episode uh will be uh Warbling. Oh, I like that name. Is that like a tiny warb? And the warble yeah. blade went snicker snap. Mm-hmm. 
My what name about, is Aiden. Okay. I, I'm also on the podcast. That's pretty good. I'm Hunter. I edit the podcast and talk on it sometimes. That's so true. And most of the time, I don't talk like that. Well, sometimes. You, but I think you can, <laughs> if you, you want do. to, more often. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. I don't think I should talk about movies like this. <laughs> if, if it's just, like, how you talk for the just next 50 general. episodes, just every time you speak... <laughs> And people uh, just are like, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's how he sounds. Uh, I don't know. No. Anyway. I'm Anna. One yep. Yay. Hi, I'm the other one. Yeah. I'm Welcome. just Fun happy to be here. Okay. <laughs> we are, are gathered here today to celebrate, um, our the life our, of Hannah, who isn't here. Yeah. Rest in peace. Oh, it's yeah. quite sad, but it, that's. It okay. It okay. We d- we did uh, ask if she wanted to join us, but the scheduling conflicts that led to her not being able to do the podcast led to her not being able to do the podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. Crazy! <laughs> but yeah, she is uh, ve- very happy for all y'all uh, 10 people who listen to us. We're very thankful for you all. I think we might get more than that. I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes, but it's yeah. We're going to talk about our top five movies of of the 50 that we've covered so far and then we'll probably also get into some discussion of things that might not belong in the list things that might instead belong on the list we'll have some discussion hopefully by the end of the whole podcast we'll have refined and it turned it into something that is um representative of as much of cinema as as we can and um isn't boring that, so. Wow! Mm-hmm. Joy. Okay, that's that's my that's my introduction. Uh, let's dive into it. Do we all have top fives prepared? Yes, I've had a top five prepared for months. Hell yeah! Because Actually, copied, same. Because I copied you in having a ranking of the overall podcast movies as we watched them. And I gave into peer pressure and also did it. Although I do change my rankings approximately every other day because rankings are subjective, and my subjective they're, opinion changes daily. They're so that's. Such truth. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm stalling as I'm pulling up my list. Now I have it. So we can continue. Would yeah. you like Who to go first? To go? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's actually. So do we want to go one person go down their list or do we want to all do our fives and know. then our fours? Four. I, I think that's fun. Um, okay. Sure. Okay. My number five is... <laughs> And Does it, anybody have anything to say before? Before I uh, just I didn't rank <laughs> my list, so now I'm like looking at it. I'm like, okay, which one would be number five? Okay, <laughs> oh okay. no! If you didn't rank your list, you'd feel no need to. You can just share. We can each share just one. Um, okay. I mean, I feel like if we each go down our specific list, then we have more space to talk. I guess if we go down each one by one, we can talk about it too. So. Yeah, maybe let's go one by one. That way, there can be like suspense as we all choose Cleo from five to seven as our number one. Okay, wait, so we're all starting with our fives then? I didn't realize we cared yes. that much about Cleo yep. from five okay. to seven. Holy shit. Um, my number five is The Passion of Joan of Arc. It is so good. It's so wonderful. Obviously, people would expect that that would be the one that I would choose. But, I mean... Very much your vibe. I, yeah. I, love, a, I love a good silent film, but also the cinematography in that movie blows me away. The the pure emotion of it blows me away. And it's also something that you can like, it's not that long of a movie, which mm. 
is it, I like long movies, yeah. but every once in a while, it's nice to have one on there that's just like I can just get in mm. peak cinema before going to work or mm. whatever. Yeah, and that, so that was one of the ones that was on the podcast before. Anna and I uh, were on it. Anna, have you? Uh, are you familiar at all with the Passion of Joan of Arc? I'm familiar with it. Have not seen it. Cool. I, I for one, really need to rewatch it. I didn't. I just tried to catch up on everything that was on the list before we reached our fiftieth, uh, so that I'd seen everything. But I'd already seen Passion of Joan of Arc a while ago. I do need to rewatch it now that I figured out how I personally need to watch silent films, mm. which is I need to create my own soundtrack, uh, mm. uh, because the for whatever reason, like the classical music that every silent film is scored with, uh, makes me lose interest incredibly quickly, even for like really great movies. But if I turn off the sound, which wasn't there in the first place, although they did have scores or whatever, and just put on like the new Billie Eilish album, mm-hmm. I have a great time, and so. Uh, I need to try my new method with that and see if I like it more. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. I I would say um, another cool thing about uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc is that uh, the Criterion edition of it has like three different scores that you can do like that have been like most of them, you know, have been written specifically for the film. And Mm. so there's a lot of different ways to experience it right out of the box. If that's something that you can stomach is is watching a silent film that way. but uh, yeah, other than that, I don't I don't know what the standouts are other than the performance. And I, we've talked about it before. But if, if people need a refresher, the all of the shots are like very very close up shots on people's faces. It's very very expressive, um, and it's it's one of those like first big movies in which like performances take the absolute spotlight. Um, Anyway, there we go. Lovely. Aiden, what's your number five? My number five is uh, Night of the Hunter. Hell yeah. That's uh, a fun one. Yeah, it's it's a film that I think uh, Warble Wobble uh, included on the list just because uh, it was, I think, the first movie I ever loved. And so I rant about it a lot, especially when I first met them. I talk about it a lot uh and that's just because it was the first like kind of artsy old movie that i saw that i kind of got and it was kind of my um entryway into only thinking about movies all the time uh it's ruined my life i've seen (laughs) enough movies to discredit me from ever getting a job anywhere Uh, oof it's an it's frankly embarrassing amount of film uh, <laughs> that will do nothing for me, uh, but that is my brain now. Uh, but Night of the Hunter is just, it's very cool. It is very unique. It's, uh, it, it has like three different sections. It's like a short film, but it feels insanely long because it changes drastically at three points during the film. And it's about a serial killer and has knives and children floating down a river and just really beautiful expressionistic set design and all sorts of cool stuff. That... You know how to sell a movie. The way you cool. said it was like they're the bodies of children floating down a river, but they're in like a boat. They're well, yeah, like they're escaping. alive still, but the the bodies are floating down the river. Um, and you wow. do get to see bodies in a river in uh, some of the most yeah. beautiful underwater cinematography like ever. Um, 
And it begins with like a really like kind of shaky like filmed like from a plane or a helicopter, helicopter yeah. shot. Yeah. And I, it's like I've I've seen those in more modern films, but seeing one that early I mean they didn't have image stabilization so yeah. you can tell. But it's still really cool. Yeah, and it's of course shot by uh, Stanley Cortez, like one of my favorite cinematographers ever. He did uh, like a bunch of uh, Sam- Samuel Fuller's like best films, and he did uh, Orson Welles's The Magnificent Ambersons, and it it's just a, a beautifully made film because it's so collaborative the way that they made the film. Um, I just love it. It's it's a great time. Hunter, what's your five? So rankings are really hard for me. And I feel very much the same about almost every movie that we've seen. But uh, I guess number five is Harakiri. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it twice and it's pretty good. It is pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact about that one, uh, based off of the letterbox average rating, that is the top movie on on the list. Yeah. Uh, That we've covered so far. Like between the four of us or like ever? Uh, of the ones that we've covered ever. Yeah, if you look at the yeah. Letterbox top 250 narrative films, a lot of them, I have to wonder if it's selection bias because they're very long, artsy movies that only people who are into long, artsy movies would watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Well, no, the, the Godfather's like two or three, and like everybody watches that. Uh, Ironically, so I was gone for also, the episode we watched The Godfather, so I've still never seen it. Oh, I, I mean that's fine. It has been uh, on my rankings list every week. It falls down a couple spots because the more I realize that I only like the cinematography, the less I can excuse like the bits of the movie I don't like as much. I'm like, I don't think it's it's quite as good as Sunset Boulevard anymore. All right, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's quite as good as 400 Blows. I was really lukewarm on 400 Blows when I first saw it, but it just keeps getting better in my mind, and The Godfather keeps like getting slightly worse. Mm-hmm. Also, Parasite is number one. Well, I think yeah. it's like the number one most watched movie on Letterboxd, but probably, it's also the highest ranked. Probably just, you know, also tapped into a more popular group of people. Yeah. True. A bigger group of people. Yes. I was just I was I was saying that to yeah. to counter a narrative of of yeah. long features that only people who like long features. Right. Uh yeah, but it's just everybody's first I don't know how many films. people have watched the human condition <laughs> part 3. So you know? That's absolutely true. Yes. That's a fact. Uh yeah. There's lots of Kobayashi on the top yeah. list. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, okay, Harakiri, great film. Good stuff. So I much pain. Also have trouble with rankings. Uh as does Hunter and I'm looking so I have like a list that's just favorites from the pod and it has six movies in it because literally a minute ago i added harold and mod to it because i was looking at the main list and kind of like okay like really because okay so my list is three movies that i really loved and deeply impacted me and then three movies that i was like this was so cute i really liked it but (laughs) i feel like the way that i think about movies is different from the way that y'all talk about movies because what I think of as a really important movie or, like, if I was going to make a list of a central film, I don't know as much about the cinematography or the directing style or, like, the fact that, like, this director was heavily inspired by this director. Like, I don't know all of that. But what I really care about is that it impacted my soul or my emotions or, like, the way that I perceive the world. Mm -hmm. And so my list would look a lot different, I think, like some films would and wouldn't be there because 
I care about how important they are to the human soul and spirit and not how important they were to the history of film. That Mm -hmm. being said, I kind of agree with Harakiri being number five. That wasn't originally on my list of favorites from the pod, but I do think about that one a lot. I was also leaning towards The Sound of Music, but that just... Like, I don't know. That seems like a cop-out choice because I've watched that movie since I was a kid. So I might stick with Harakiri as my fifth. Oh. Fascinating. Can you tell us a bit more about what what impacts you with Harakiri <laughs> and what it is that keeps you up? <laughs> um, no, I remember that one being like kind of an uncomfortable one, I thought. Yeah, it's kind of uncomfortable. I like that it confronts your perception of the main character you know he gets to the house and he's saying like just listen to the ramblings of a old man before he dies and so it confronts your perceptions of him and his son and daughter and um i think it also is an interesting commentary on samurai culture which we talked about in the episode and how Mm -hmm point of honor if the system that you're being honored like the the system that you're holding your respect to isn't worth honoring but you still have your internal honor Mm. and so that was really interesting to me and I still think about it as one that is worth thinking about it's worth my mind space I just had a thought that that you guys are going to probably make fun of me for (laughs) as hard. And I just thought of another movie that lives rent-free in my mind that I do think about, and that's Mm -hmm. Andrei Rubliov. So RIP to the Anna Mm -hmm. that existed when we recorded that episode and was grumpy about it because (laughs) that's probably like five and a half. Yeah. To be I fair, was, you were having a very indeed. bad day it's the true. day you watched that. It's true. Uh, cool. That's that's good times. We might want to do like a few honorable yeah. mentions at the end of the end of. Should the we go in reverse mm-hmm. order for number four? Um. Yeah. Sure. If oh, sure. Yeah. Let's let's just go Wait, on the fly for this four, one. Four. What you got? Two. Oh no, my math doesn't add up. My four is under uh, Rubliov. Do you, Done. Do you give Sold. Us, like, uh, Problem solved. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> Tell um, us a little bit about that one then. Well, well I, she just talked about it. <laughs> I I like thinking about people's musings on religion. Spoil. Well, I'm not going to tell you what my number one was, but um, I like how it's thinking mm. about. <clears throat> serving God and art and beauty in a time where things are not beautiful, but also not beautifying whitewashed walls, which is a, a biblical reference to people who are doing terrible things, but they pose as really good people. So, you know, it's a whitewashed wall. It's actually really gross inside. So I, I liked that reflection and I really liked the bell scene like that whole story i really like Mm -hmm. and i think about Mm -hmm. that kid a lot (laughs) yeah oh that's so good i think the bit that for some reason has stood out to me the most when that movie is 
mentioned on or off the podcast is just that bit when there's just like a billion people oh yeah that church when they're being raided i don't know mm. I don't that know was why intense that, like, has stuck in my head and there's that one so girl firmly, but yeah throughout the whole thing mm-hmm I need to rewatch that one too. Spoilers on the the anniversary podcast. Jeez, (laughs) it's a good. (laughs) Listen to the full episode to get all the spoilers. (laughs) Or or watch the movie. Or just watch the movie. But if you listen to the the podcast, actually, you might be. We need to re-record that Um, episode. Watching the so watch the movie. Because it was a lot of just discussion of are long movies okay? (laughs) And then all of us afterwards are like, yeah, it's definitely okay. And this movie slaps. Uh, (laughs) If any of you are interested, fun fact, for once, the shorter version of the movie is the director's preferred version. So uh, there's that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Hunter. My number four is the everyone's favorite wholesome movie, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> wow. Hooray. Yay. Because it made me feel feelings of dread and horror. And, uh, do do that. and again, it just kind of stood out to me because it was very clearly influential on a lot of other things that I like. Mm-hmm. And... That makes sense. I didn't like <laughs> more than that, so that's my number four. That's fair. <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, that that is at the, at the very least I can give it the credit of it being one of the movies that has <laughs> most remained in my head since watching it. Yeah. <laughs> However, that I'd, long ago? I'd put it nearly at the bottom of my list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Do you have thoughts on Texas Chainsaw? But what's Chainsaw? your number four? Of course it, I have thoughts it, on Texas Chainsaw, but list? we had a whole episode on Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. So fair. that's fun. Uh, my number four is not Texas Chainsaw. Ooh. Surprise, surprise. It's our 12 angry, <gasps> wow. sweaty boys. Yeah. 12 angry men. Yeah, uh, they're so sweaty. I, uh, I like that movie too much. Um, it's one of the most immaculately blocked movies ever and i do not regret watching half a dozen versions of 12 angry men from countries all around the globe in preparation for that episode Mm -hmm. even though it came in handy exactly zero percent of the time uh it it really makes you appreciate a movie when you've seen it remade in german spanish and hindi with no subtitles and you can still tell what's going on and you can see how every single change affects the structure, pacing, wow. and texture of a film. It's so cool. So, yeah. Very nice. It's a fantastic movie. I uh-huh. really like it a lot. Yeah. But Even- it's so American and so <laughs> male that when I go through, like, I watch it, men? and I'm like, I stick it near the top, and then as I as I sit with it, I just I lower it down because the aesthetic of it does not does not attract me as as much as other movies because I'm terrible. But it's so good. <laughs> Objectively, as far as the the enjoyment of the thing, it's got to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, how about your number three? Uh, are you going to share your number, number four? four you doing, fool. Wait, what? Yeah, it's Did you, I not do your my You didn't do your no, four. We're still, I just passed you're it still, on to you. You're still talking about Aiden's <laughs> number four. Damn. Unless your number four you is just also like, 12 Angry Men, which does not three. sound like it I is. I totally, for some reason, you thought exist. I did. I guess I exist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not just host. I, I am also person. Mm-hmm. Um, my number four, if I rewatched it, it might have changed places. And by that, I mean it might have gone up higher. 
uh, because I've only seen it the one time, uh, Grand Illusion is my number four. Oh, mm. It is such a good movie. Yeah. It's it made me a little bit obsessed with Jean Renoir, even though I haven't seen a lot of his films. I now mm. own like <laughs> I don't know a few biographies. Mm. I, I am I'm this movie in particular got me in a way that no other film on the list did because it's 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 not very often that I watch a movie and completely irregardless of what's happening on the screen there's an effect that makes me scream at the movie like it's not anything that's <laughs> happening in the plot it's not the fact that some of the boys are attractive or something it's it's none of those things <laughs> There's just an effect of the movie that makes me scream. And I think maybe a lot of that's the dialogue. Um, I did not mm-hmm. expect anything going into this movie. And I just found myself more and more sucked in, but more importantly, more and more excited as it went on just because of just the pure joy of of the movie itself. And then when we did that episode, that might be one of my favorite episodes of the podcast because it led to, I think, one of the most interesting philosophical discussions that we've had Um and and for that I will always always appreciate it. So yes. there we go. Grand illusion. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Now what's your number three? Wait, we are snaking. You have to do three. No, no so we're snaking. So no, Anna, we're Anna did it. Oh, she we're just snaking. did number four. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Number three? Yeah. Fine. Fine. It won't work if we do it the other way. Okay. <sighs> My number three is also predictable. It's Seven Samurai. Yeah. It's it's the movie what? that I wrote. Uh, what a four thousand uh, <laughs> word report on yeah when we covered it good and had to like bring it down to like half length uh, through just skipping over massive paragraphs and and then I wrote a my thesis on it and I've seen all of Kurosawa's movies and I wouldn't even say that this is exactly my favorite film of his but it still makes top three. Um, the, I, I, there's so much to be said about this movie that has already been said and that I have said at length so I'll be done <laughs> mm-hmm. very good so question I guess we can get to this in a later section but would you switch out for a different Kurosawa movie Um, if I had the option Rashomon might have mm. been in there mm-hmm. there's a lot of his movies that are, are almost up there or higher for me Ikiru there, I mean yeah, that that era specifically in in the fifties, uh, like the early fifties, he just like had movie after movie after movie that like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still would say even the ones that like are middle of the road for me, um, like that make the top ten or twenty of his thirty movies, any of those still might crack the top five. Like they're they're all very bunched up together, so it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay, so I guess it's my turn for number three. Uh, uh, this is I I don't I, I felt conflicted about putting this on my list because it technically we did not cover it during my stint on the podcast, mm-hmm. but I did watch it at the same time y'all did because you're watching it and you're like it's very good, uh, and it is it is Citizen Kane, oh, yeah. uh, a movie that I, recently has a lot of backlash from people because. The title "Greatest Movie Ever Made" is the easiest way to ruin a movie for someone. <laughs> uh, 
it's <laughs> not I, I, true anymore. I don't think it's the greatest movie ever made, but I think that it is specifically captivating uh, throughout the entirety of it in a way that only older movies from like the 20s and 30s really are to me mm-hmm. that I've, I've been able to find. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Citizen Kane, it is a much weirder film visually than I expected it to be at least. There was a lot of very dra- dramatic lighting with strong silhouettes, really harsh blacks, br- just insanely smooth editing and uh, a story that, that's interesting, but mostly just a just great movie that just movies all over the place, and I love it. Uh, it really do. Great stuff. Hunter, what you got? I chose The Night of the Hunter as my number three because hey. it's it's good, it's fun, um, and it's important to a person on this podcast and a person who's not on this podcast in my life. And so that probably adds some bias in my head just being like, oh, yeah, these people like it a lot, and I liked it quite a bit. And so I guess it's on the list. That's, that's such a good thing. I don't know. Robert Mitchum. <laughs> Robert Mitchum. Mm. A guy people find attractive? I guess. I but know. I don't? Stop, stop I don't having, having weird takes on things. Even though all of his best roles he plays villains, he is so charismatic. Yep. All right. I don't know. I don't have much to say on that. That's all. He is very charismatic. And we already talked about it. So Yeah. And, uh, this is my second favorite Robert Mitchum movie. Wow. Yeah. Imagine having... <laughs> Two favorite Robert Mitchum. I'm just kidding. kidding. <laughs> I, don't know I don't know what the number one is. What is the other uh, Robert Mitchum? He's movie? in Dead Man. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He plays the cannibal. Yeah. That's Wait, it does he? No, no, he doesn't. He's, not. he's no. He's the, like, he's like the the guy that sends out the cannibal. Yeah. He mm. hires the cannibal. Yeah. It's um, it's a it's the classic uh, '90s black and white Jim Jarmusch Johnny Depp western. Mm-hmm. What? Yes. That was so it's many words. Isn't that wild? Oh, it's a great sign. It's wild that it exists, but it's wilder that it's the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, go ahead. Well, the third best thing that I've ever seen on this podcast <laughs> list, I put Jean Dumont Ooh, yeah. as my Hell third, because yeah. that just impacted my soul so deeply, mm-hmm. and that I think about all the time. I'm... In my kitchen, making tuna in a quiet house, and I'm just like <laughs> crying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if I rewatched all of the movies, that one would also probably creep up a lot higher for me. Um, but that yeah. was. One oh, that and I guess it's my turn too. to say my second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Which. Between my top two, it's actually really hard, and I'm sitting here staring at the screen, <laughs> kind of trying to figure out, but I think I am going to stick to my choice. Cleared from five to seven is my second. Mm-hmm. That movie shapes me in a way that I didn't expect it to, and I'm really grateful for it, actually, and it pairs really nicely with the poem, well, T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets, but a specific section of that poem. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, so the poem and the arc of the poem combined with this film 
saw me in a way that I didn't expect to be seen, which is kind of ironic as well, because the whole movie is about Cleo being seen. So I think that's kind of beautiful that a movie about a woman becoming whole in herself and letting herself be seen in her naked form saw me in my naked form. And so I really appreciated that about it. That's so cool. That, that's got to be another one of my like all-time favorite episodes. Uh, that discussion that you kind of led on that one was mm-hmm. so good. good. Mm-hmm. And there, maybe one of the reasons why it didn't, I'll, I'll spoil it now, it didn't make my top five um, is because I, I knew that you would bring it up and we'd still get there to you go. talk about it. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Hunter. Hunter. Two. I have a really dumb pick for my number two. I don't know if it's a pick. It was just, it was on the list already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like maybe this is the next few things are saying things about how much I'm uh, not, maybe not connecting or enjoying a lot of these movies as much as maybe mm-hmm. I should be. Uh, but right now on the list is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> just Very good. Extremely enjoyable. For yeah. Me. And I don't know. I'm I'm glad it made it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's there. It's just yeah. very funny all the time, and that 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 weird, crappy like <laughs> organ song at the end of the movie is constantly stuck in my head. Yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah. so it you know it, it it gets some like at least rent free space. For yeah, me. yeah. I, it's a great movie. It, yeah, I think it's underrated it's... In, because it's so highly rated by people right. that it is like, discarded. Yeah, in the like same like way dis- that despite Kane's. its cultural ubiquity, mm-hmm. uh, it it remains entertaining for me yeah so there good shit fun shit um mine is no no no, what it's aiden's turn what are you 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 are so it hasn't changed we're just like going back and forth you went to begin with and then it went to me and then all the way around and then it went back and then and then no you started just doing it in this we're doing it in the same order we say our names in the podcast and like the intro yeah, why <laughs> was am I back and forth. so absolutely wrong about things? It's okay, okay it's go okay. ahead. I, I've got it now. I'll have it down for number one. I promise. Okay. Uh, what you're doing both your number two and number one next. So I hope yeah, you can get right. it right. Uh, my number two is also uh, Cleo from Five to Seven. Yay! Uh, he's the Cleo buddies. <laughs> I just uh, I love Agnes Varda as a filmmaker so much. I. Ah, it is bizarre how, you know, different uh, different people are at capturing life because I think that's one of the things that Agnes Varda is just great at is capturing, like, life along with, like, its feelings and emotions associated with it. And a lot of her stuff is, like, just documentary and like very personal documentary where you're like following her through journeys and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I had a very big piece of my life where I was just rebelling against realism and movies being realistic because bad faith argumenters online tend to hold that up as a number one priority. Realism, it is not realistic. It is not such and such. And when really, like, realism is just a tool and it's what you're trying to do with your movie that counts, not whether or not it is realistic. Like, yeah, it's nice if you can suspend your disbelief. And, but sometimes, you know, 
you don't need to. Sometimes you, you have different things that you're trying to do. But this sort of just uh, subtle character piece with just beautifully alive it's it just just watching it just feels alive and it's me. so it's real in a way that i think other realistic films aren't i think yeah. it's one of the most real things i've ever watched it's mm. probably the most emotionally reticent film is reticent the right word i think reticent is the right word. resonant resonant maybe yeah reticent would mean that it is like uh afraid of yeah, emotions Oh, I think uh, resonant is, resonant is yeah, like I, I a tuning fork. It is resonating. Oh. It's the least emotionally reticent film. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. One of us is about to graduate with an English degree. Hmm. Ah, don't That's remind fun. me. I wrote my I wrote my thesis on Kurosawa, which doesn't have any English in it at all. <laughs> Uh, this is the end. Okay. <laughs> ah. Uh, my number two is Citizen Kane. Wow. I don't, you know, I felt weird having American films at the top of my list. Apparently that, apparently that was a hang up for me, mm. That's in, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, no, again, I didn't expect much from this movie because you hear greatest film ever made, but more often than that, you hear people say, it's not the greatest film ever made. <laughs> uh, or it's not even good. I hear that a lot. People love to hate on this movie. Um, maybe because they're expecting it to be really good. Maybe because they haven't seen it. Or, or maybe because it just like is the cultural standard mm-hmm. thing to do mm-hmm. to sound cool. Is to be like, I don't even, I don't even like Citizen Kane. I don't even know what people are on about. It's really, I don't know, fill mm-hmm. in the blank. The Dark Knight. That's the greatest film ever made or something. <sighs> It's a brilliant film. It's real good, but it's not. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, like the cinematography is bonkers. The way that the story flows is bonkers. It's just everything that I didn't think could be done in film at this era. Like it, once we got to this point in the list, it was kind of mind blowing. It's like, how, how did things just <laughs> jump to that? Yeah. And then following that, nothing did anything like it, even though it yeah. was so important like it, it's such a weird enigma uh and orson wells is very attractive yeah. <laughs> uh, he's pod daddy that's interesting uh, i i would like to say that like for however much i like enjoy letterboxd and doing stuff on letterboxd because it gives me something to fill the time and it helps me discover new stuff uh that i would never have found otherwise it does encourage like this this kind of cultural thing that you as a person are encouraged to define yourself by your opinions mm. on things. Mm-hmm. And like, if you like movies, you are defined by what is your take on the Fast and Furious movies? <laughs> are you like, it's secretly a masterpiece or, oh, it's overrated garbage. What are your thoughts on Citizen Kane? Yeah. And like, I don't think that actually helps us enjoy or appreciate cinema That's actually cinema a really good point. And, you know, I, I... It's how the internet be. That it, it just rewards you for being opinionated and saying something yeah. about literally anything, <laughs> but it's, distracts you from the fact that, like, you are not just your opinions on things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, 
within a capitalist social marketplace, maybe that is your value to the system, but like outside it as a person, I think it's like you don't need to justify yourself to anyone or any system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. You can just enjoy yeah. life and try and figure out how to love shit better. Yeah. That's a good point. Like my my worst experiences with film people or just discussions of movies in general is when somebody that you don't know super well picks you out of the crowd and is like, you're the movie mm. person. Huh? What do you think like, about ah. the new Marvel movie? What um, do you think about blah, blah, blah? And then they kind of cross their arms <laughs> and they wait for you to speak and you have to give some sort of argument that they either nod their head and they're like, yeah, that honestly fair take. Or they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And like, that's that's the point. Yeah. That's my that's my least favorite. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, for some reason, if you saw me on the street, you, you'd probably know me because if you listen to this podcast, you probably know me. <laughs> don't do that to me, please. Please don't. Please don't ask me what I think about Rogue get, One like, or something. I get scared to express movie opinions to people that I don't know very well. Mm-hmm. Like just some dude that I have not interacted with, like at my workplace the other day, just kind of asked the people around him, like, "Have you guys seen Black Widow?" And they were like. Oh, it's pretty it's cool and i didn't want to be the guy who's like "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of boring yeah that's why there's there's definitely like (laughs) yeah so i just didn't participate in that conversation (laughs) which is why i think with a lot of people if they if i don't know them super well or whatever i don't think we have similar tastes yeah and they want to watch a movie with me i usually kind of bow out of that because it ends up being uncomfortable when they're like, what do you think? Best movie ever, right? Yeah, and I'm like, it just it didn't. I think launching off of that same yeah, thought, I'm finding, so a lot of these movies in my top five and just movies that are really important to me, I really want to show it to the people in my life that I love. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my parents, what are you watching? And I kind of want to be like, mm-hmm. oh, watch this movie with me. And the other part of me is saying, I don't think you guys would like this movie you'd yeah. be confused mm-hmm. by or it both ways. and or just mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. that i like cleo from five to seven it understands me in a really special way but i don't mm-hmm. know i want to be really careful about who i show it to and in what circumstances mm-hmm. because i think if they didn't like it that would hurt my feelings <laughs> and obviously like the movie isn't yeah. mm-hmm. the movie mm-hmm. isn't me obviously it's not tied to me at all except that i really emotionally resonated with it but mm. it's kind of the same thing where because we're such opinionated culture there are things that i found really important to me that i don't want to share with somebody because i don't trust their ability to express their opinion about it mm. i think that's fair yeah, that's what that's what's made some of my picks on this list maybe a little bit of a challenge. Mm. For example, putting on something like Empire, being like, "This is something that means something to me," but I know it's not gonna have the same effect for everybody as it does for me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's part of that. It's part of that risk of art discourse, mm. I guess. The um, discourse. The discourse. What's your number one? <laughs> my number, my number one is interesting uh, because none of you have it on your list. I feel like I can just say that no, it's it un unsurprisingly Tokyo it. Story. 
I rewatched it last night to see if it mm-hmm. would if it would stick up there, and yep. it probably will. Mm-hmm. Um, time will tell when I rewatch like all the like top eight for me. Um, my MySpace top eight. <laughs> the MySpace uh, top eight. But it uh, wow. Um, what movie? It it's a very good comfort movie. It's also one that like every little thing that happens and line and whatever can be dissected or just memorized. Mm. I, I, I enjoy that with, with movies when like, I, I like something like Cleo five to seven, which I don't think is that where it's such a, a dramatic experience with so many sections and parts that it's like, that's the only movie I can watch in a day. It's almost fatiguing with how much it makes me feel and how, mm-hmm. how many places it takes me. And, mm-hmm. um, this is one that I can just put on and it just happened and not intend to like pay full attention to it and then get so sucked in that then I remember I'm watching a movie and, uh, and, and, and cry along with, mm-hmm. with it. Um, it's just wonderful. It's good. Makes me think good. and it makes me feel number I'm gonna one. I'm going to have to watch it now. Best movie. Cause I've heard, I've heard all the controversy it's about it's it within ones. this, this circle of people. <laughs> <laughs> it long and it's still for sure it is a very you guys are gonna hate a brighter summer day Mm -hmm. just so you know me i think hunter and aiden will like it it. and i don't know if i'm gonna watch all of it again i might struggle with it I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. I, I like long still movies. I'm expecting to be the the outspoken it depends. person again on that one. I, I like I'm more one for uh, dynamic compositions rather than uh, the very static linear compositions that Ozu uses because Ozu is like a major. If you haven't seen any, uh, he's a major influence for Wes Anderson. Mm. So very, just incredibly staged compositions that are mostly just just so linear in so many ways uh oh also uh oh columbus like the framings in columbus Mm -hmm. are very ozu yeah um Uh, and i do appreciate it and i think i just need something more to emotionally connect to yeah brighter summer's day is not going to give it to you sorry Uh, fam i love columbus (laughs) okay i watched the opening shot of one of his first movies and I was like, this is going to get me. Everything yeah. that he makes is going to get me so hard. Mm-hmm. And so I just stopped watching it, which is first is a problem I have when I really <laughs> like something. Um, so yeah, Kokonata actually named himself after um, wow. Ozu's co-writer, which is, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah he, like, he's his whole like, I mean, he, he started off as like a, a student of film more than a director. Yeah, he was student. famous for making like video essays and yeah. stuff, and, then... and they were a lot of them were on Ozu. Yeah. So he, that's like the big influence for him. Aiden, what's your uh, top one? Yeah, so that's my number one. My wow. top one is Andrei Rublev. I, Fancy. I am a sucker for Tarkovsky. It is not my favorite Tarkovsky. I really like his um, really late period stuff, which I th- think is a bit of a controversial p- position, but I just very much do. Um, nostalgia and the sacrifice are really up there for me but andre rublev still gets it done it is uh just just beautiful and contemplative and uh just it, it is i think the 
the sort of epic that I like, the one that is so so big yet so small and specific emotionally. And that bell sequence at the end, I think, is the, probably one of my favorite sequences ever put to film. It's so cool. Um, yeah, I, I am also just I I think I'm just a sucker for like Soviet and like communist films because even like under authoritarian communism, like this sort of film that like rebels against those principles is so much more interesting than the one that rebels against like fascist principles for some reason to me. Like uh recently my my new hobby is watching Soviet nice. propaganda scored to Sufjan Stevens music. <laughs> It's just, uh, it's a very good time. Uh, but yeah, uh, Andrei Rublev, great. Authoritarian communism, bad. I am still an anarchist, so. On that note, Hunter. Hunter, number one is uh, Citizen Kane, I guess. Uh, we've already talked about it a couple times. My only thing that I think I would add to the conversation that has happened is that I like that it's an example of that thing where someone creates a thing in a space that they don't have any experience or really knowledge of and just don't know what the boundaries are so that they can then kind of push past them without even realizing it mm -hmm. and make something that's really cool. And yeah. I think that whenever that happens, it's pretty interesting. And that's a good one. And it's just, yeah, it fits that balance of like enjoyable enjoyability for me and being just good and cool mm -hmm. and well-made, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's it's all. it's surprisingly watchable. Yeah. I don't know why yeah, I expected it, it to be so like avant garde and out yeah, there and no, whatever. It's, it's but it's just, yeah, it's just a movie. It's, it's exciting. just a very easy mm -hmm. movie. You know? mm -hmm. But it's just yeah, it's very tight. It's just maybe the best example of that kind of movie, perhaps mm -hmm. for the time. Good. <laughs> That's all. King King shit. <laughs> Play us our Orson Welles boy. Is it, the, is it this one? Nope. Nope. Is it this one? Ah uh, yes. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry, Proud Daddy. <laughs> I apologize for this. Sandwich. Forgive us. So, for I'm, I'm honestly surprised. <laughs> Go ahead, Anna. That there, first of all, there was less overlap than I thought between our top five, and I'm surprised that my top one wasn't on anybody's list at all. <laughs> which is the Seventh Seal, and Ooh. pro. I mean, it it it, it might nice. be hmm. my. Uh, I don't know if I can say it's my all-time favorite movie. I think I have two favorite movies, one that I can comfortably show to a casual friend, and The Seventh Seal is one that I wouldn't show to a casual friend, and I've been trying to work, like, I've been trying to show it to my dad since I watched it the first time, and it just hasn't been the right moment for this movie. It has to have its specific moment, and that's another one that impacted me so deeply both times I watched it. And it was the only side sound of music, but that doesn't count because I didn't include it in my top five. I had already seen it before the podcast, so I don't know if that's cheating, but I don't think it is. Uh, I don't know. It just, it, it really impacted me. And it, in that film, Ingmar Bergman is wrestling with a lot of the same thoughts about faith that I have. And I know that he kind of, wrestles with different things in his different movies um but that movie specifically rings a chord with my own 
questions and the questions that I've been asking as I've been learning more and more about philosophy. So it it fit really well into the moment of life that I'm in, as well as just what I like to see in a movie. And the the script is really beautiful to me, and the the way the characters interact with each other is really beautiful. So I think for this season in this moment, it's probably my top favorite film, but I wouldn't tell that to everybody because I don't want everybody to watch it. <laughs> That's fair. That's so interesting. Uh, top of my list of, of things to rewatch are The Seventh Seal and Andre Rublev. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times. I, I'm not proud of the way that I watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah that was funny. Is that the one uh, you finished? iPad on the, on the knees. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was good. Uh, uh, cool. Well, so we now have our favorites, and I think it. if uh, we, uh, as we move out of this season of the podcast, I think it is nice to reflect on not only the good but the bad. Can, before uh, we do that, can I also say that the Great Dictator almost made number five? <laughs> oh, and it m- maybe would in a different universe um that one's really good and nobody's brought it up so i want to give it that honorable mention yeah now we should proceed um yeah so uh we have had discussions before continuously over the podcast about uh because we just kind of created this list because uh uh, good friend uh patron saint of the podcast uh warbly uh a little warb decided to make the list because they saw at a shop uh, a list of the 100 essential movies and half of it was like just American film from the 90s and like some Scorsese. It's thrown all in. of it, yeah. Really yeah. Uh, it's it just like all pop blockbuster fluff and you're like, that's a very narrow view of what cinema can be. And so just as an experiment, it's like, hey, so what would an actual list look like? And going by like a bunch of films that are like, oh yeah, this is a great film that you should cover, uh, kind of, you know, they stumbled their way through into making this. And uh, I think we might have run into a bit of redundancy or some like bits that are like, you know, like favorite movies from the time, but not necessarily the most important movies of all time. Yeah, I'm still proud of it, but there's definitely things that need to change. Yeah, so what do we think needs to change? (laughs) Do we all have... uh, I have one thing. Okay, go ahead. Uh, My one thing... So I can't speak to any of the earlier movies because I didn't watch any of them, Mm. um, except for ones that I had seen from my past life. (laughs) Um, But I can... Actually, this is kind of awkward, too, because I didn't watch this movie, but, um, no, I'll start with the movie that I would like to see on this list is Playtime by Jacques Tati. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's actually the first time I've watched a movie and saw that I had seen similar scenes, colors, and characters in other films. So, Monsieur Hulot is obviously a predecessor to Mr. Bean and a lot of the scenes in this film are present in the Little Prince movie, which is mm. one of my favorite like guilty pleasure movies. Um, so that was really cool for me because I'm watching. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've seen this character before. I've seen this scene before. I've seen this style before in other movies that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also just really well 
shot and framed and it's beautiful in the way that he uses shapes and colors and sounds to create this soundscape and it's also hilarious visual gags being built up for 20 or 30 minutes until they come to their point and then it's the funniest Mm. visual gag you've ever seen Mm -hmm. so i would like to see that it came out in 1967 um which the film that we had in our 1967 slot was the graduate which i didn't watch but it sounds like a lot of people were kind of like hmm this movie's a little bit questionable so yeah. Maybe we could replace The Graduate with Playtime. Would be interesting. I it is a bit interesting because we have a we do have I think some overlap in the new Hollywood movement because we have Bonnie and Clyde and The Graduate. Yeah. Uh and moving into the more pop end of new Hollywood um with The Godfather, Star Wars and mm. um Yeah. Yeah. I think there's there's a little bit too much new Hollywood and actually one that I was thinking that we might want to remove is The Graduate. Yeah, because I, I feel like it doesn't... Ex- like, it's a cultural touchstone, but this isn't about whether or not it's a cultural touchstone. This is about yeah. whether or not it belongs on this list and gives us a different understanding of film, and it doesn't, than other things that we have done. I, I do love a lot of bits of that movie, but I mm-hmm. I actually do think that that is a valid argument. Yeah, uh, And I I was actually also wanting to include a Jacques Tati movie, but I wasn't sure if that would be too much French cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean, better to have a French film than yet another American film, perhaps, but also is that space that could be used elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, also, between Playtime and um, Mon Oncle, I, I, I don't know. Like, they're both so good. I know that Playtime is maybe more highly considered, but it's more highly seen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we should, I think we should definitely consider adding adding playtime that mm-hmm. it's really good well, i agree yay yeah. i win <laughs> um but but i we can we can have more discussion on it uh, uh, do we have films that we specifically think don't belong on the list well, before my, my thought coming up with the the concept of not keeping something on just because it's culturally significant mm-hmm. made me wonder about things like the wizard of oz and gone with the wind mm-hmm. because that's kind of how i feel like we read those as yeah. just being like they were there because they're the movies of the time yeah but we were kind of like it's i don't know yeah i guess i definitely think that this is the time to have that discussion yet again because because i think at the very least i think one of them has to go um and the discussion will it be the one that celebrates racism yeah the, the problem is with me and gone with the wind is that i do feel like it gives a different like vision of film than stuff in that era like i I do think it does that and i don't think that the wizard of oz does it wizard of oz is a big cultural touchstone a lot of people like it more i like it more because (laughs) gone with the wind is not an enjoyable movie in any sense yeah but i actually think that it is something unique for film that i would keep on and shit on it heavily right (laughs) so (laughs) yes like unfortunately that's the one movie on the list that i'm like i don't I don't know how to take it out personally. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we have movies on there, right? That like, like there are mm-hmm. movies that we don't have on there because the people who made them uh, are, are gross enough and continue to benefit off of the reception of those films that we don't want to contribute. Uh, like a Roman Polanski or Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that I feel like is a little bit different because 
it's very much marketed as like even when you watch it on HBO Max, it's it's marketed as this is some things in it that mm-hmm. are really shitty, mm-hmm. and you kind of need to know because right. yeah. I actually yeah, think it sure. comes to a good discussion of the way that racism is so much more accepted in society and celebrated by parts of society than we like to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's gross. And I don't know about the novel that it's actually adapting from, but it, it might be more part of the, the adaptation of, of the novel that that comes from. But either way, this is a big, big touchstone. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I think it needs to be discussed as mm-hmm. opposed to needs to be ignored. But sure. What do we think? Yeah, I... I'm fine with chopping the Wizard of Oz instead. Uh, I, I definitely think that they both kind of cover the same sort of area in our list. If we're mm-hmm. trying to create like a basic survey of film and stuff that isn't, sure. we're never going to be able to make something comprehensive. But you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I do have mixed feelings because I don't think that uh, the ideas of uh, Gone with the Wind deserve to be as well regarded culturally as they are like how it is still regarded to be like a legitimately great movie with some problematic elements instead mm. of a fundamentally uh problematic movie with some good elements uh yeah. it however i think that it is uh important and telling that the most financially successful american film of all time according uh, to inflation and everything accounting for inflation is a very uh racist film with uh weird views on women and on the humanity of uh, humanity and goodness of people who are not rich mm-hmm. white and men uh and yeah it's the most financially successful american film that kind yeah. of i think says something so if part of this list is also supposed to give you some amount of survey mm. of culture as well mm. it's important to know that this is part of american culture like i think that's why people it's not still something watch to be it. celebrated but it's there mm-hmm. i mean like that's why some people obviously some people it. are like yeah this is so great but some people watch it because they understand that it's important a part of mm. our history that we can't ignore yeah. Yeah. I well, know some people that are like, oh, I cry every time. It's so wonderful. <laughs> um, okay. But that's that's also becoming more of the way that it sh- it's watched. Yeah. And I think that it mm-hmm. that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And I like I, I don't think that we need stuff like um, Triumph of the Will or mm-hmm. uh, f- the famous other one. Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Uh, yeah. Because despite like yeah it has a lot of that stuff it like birth of a nation is just dw griffith just doing dw griffith just and if you want dw griffith you can watch other movies that aren't nearly as racist yeah uh, and bad and uh triumph of the will is just uh an expensive movie that does not do anything new um yeah. necessarily it's just very expensive it had some aesthetic influence but it, yeah yeah those are two movies that are like I don't know, m- more pieces to be considered culturally relevant rather than relevant to a specific list of film. Yeah. Um, okay, so we so I guess maybe getting rid of The Wizard of Oz and keeping Gone with the Wind begrudgingly 
Um, another thing I'm thinking of is Fantasia. I don't think it needs to be there. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, Snow White and Fantasia kind of feel like they occupy the same space. They do, yeah. yeah. And fulfill the same purpose, so yeah. I'd keep either, Snow White, I'd get rid of Fantasia, even mm-hmm. though I think that Fantasia is more fun. Well, mm-hmm. Snow White being kind of the first of its kind in a mm-hmm. way, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. it's fine to keep around. We yeah. agreed on that? Yeah. But what to replace it with? Well, uh, I've got I, a I've yeah, got we should We should get through the yeah, lists we, of we, already established replacements, or this episode's going to yeah. be like two hours long. Okay. Uh, yeah, and a couple other things that I wanted to bring yeah, up in the get rid of as well. uh, possible get rid of. Um, we have Maltese Falcon and Casablanca, two Humphrey Bogart mm. noir movies mm. that came out around the same time. I don't know if Maltese Falcon, very good movie, very good noir. I don't yeah. love it that much myself. I think it's just a very good movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it adds on top of Casablanca. I was going to say, I would chop it in yeah. favor of Casablanca. It, it yeah. led to an interesting discussion, but I don't think it's essential. Yeah. Um, and also, we have uh, two big Hollywood musicals, Sound of Music and Singing in the Rain. Uh, one, Singing in the Rain, I think, is more important to like the mm-hmm. Hollywood system and a part of like a wave of musicals and everything. And I love Sound of Music, but it, it I don't think matters as much in overall film history Mm. it didn't feel like it occupied that same space of like oh this is this is different um so i I would i have that on my list as well um another one that i'm not sure of well actually i have i have a quick three do you have more Um, i I do not have more okay i have i have three that haven't been brought up yet that i'm not sure of Mm. Uh, i don't know if, if we're talking about like uh there's there's just a lot of, uh, there's still a lot of American cultural bias here and we could create room for other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure why Rebel Without a Cause is here. Uh, that I think is fair. It is a very good film uh, that also is just another very good American film that came out in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is A Star is Born. I can't because like it, it it's the first color film we have on our list is it's kind of interesting to see the Hollywood studio like format start that early. Um, it is interesting. But I also don't know if it. Sing in the Rain is also a film explicitly about the Hollywood studio system. Yeah. Um. So we already have some representation about like Hollywood making movies about itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I didn't personally love that movie that much. It's just not my type of thing. I don't. Yeah. Love the Hollywood is great. The glamour of Hollywood exploring the glamour of Hollywood. Yeah. There's so many. Fuck Hollywood. It should have died by now. It it got way too many bailouts, but yeah. (laughs) And then a final one, interestingly enough, um, and the one that I'm least sure about not belonging on the list is Harold and Maude. Because I love that movie. I don't (sighs) think it it should belong on this list. I think it feels a little bit. Like, I think Harold and Maude and Paper Moon both feel the same in that they're just kind of like, oh, so we're watching, mm-hmm. like, a kid's movie now. Like, obviously, neither of them are... Yeah. I guess Paper Moon is yeah. more like a kid's movie than Harold and Maude, but... Actually, that's that's a really good comparison. Yeah, I and mm-hmm. I think both of those movies, those are two that I had thought of, Harold and Maude and Paper Moon. Both of them are on my favorites from the pod list. However, yeah. I think that if we're trying to create a list that are essential movies that changed the rhythms of culture or the rhythms of our own 
thoughts about what it means to be a human person. Neither of those movies mm. did that. I guess Harold and Maude mm. did a little bit in thinking about how to live your life to the fullest, but that's not the point of this sure. list. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say both I of say... those don't necessarily yeah. need to be here. That's interesting. I would definitely take out Harold and Maude uh, under the points that you made. I would say that of the two, I would keep Paper Moon. I think it does... I think it's more interesting from a, a cinematic perspective. And I think it was also influential in the new Hollywood movement in like a different way than other new Hollywood movies we covered are. Also, yeah, it has a pod it's daddy very... in it. So we got to keep it or else you can't be pod daddy. It has daddy. a pod daddy. <laughs> I feel like it's important for that. But uh, what do you guys think? I, it, well, it's really interesting because it's like a film from the new Hollywood movement that is commenting on earlier American films and American cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of setting the tone and creating the tone for what the new Hollywood movement would do, which mm-hmm. is like taking the techniques of old cinematic forms and making it more uh, poppy, more gritty, more dark and realistic. But it also does something that's interesting. It 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 comments on a lot of the like gross gross aspects aspects of yeah. things that are in movies that we previously covered mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting if you're going through yeah, it linearly think, for that yeah. maybe. i think it's fair to keep paper moon i oh. loved paper moon very much so we can keep it also because it was cute that's so nice yeah i'm a little biased because i really do like that movie i was very down on it in the episode and i do love harold and Mott more but i think you were right okay um okay uh, list of movies that we think might belong Additions. I uh, wait. Did Hunter have anything that he wanted to cut out? Uh, anything I else? I don't think I had anything else. I okay. am, you know, I'm not uh, fighting back on any of the ones that we mentioned, though. So I think I'm okay. Well, I, I also don't know that I'm going to have any ideas for what to add because I am not very like well watched within these time periods. Some of oh, these movies fine. I haven't watched. I'll be honest. Sure. I, I think a lot of us are going in blind because, like, so my two yeah. picks, I've only seen one of them. The other one I've been meaning to see forever. I, I'm just now getting around to watching the era of cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, first is uh, we need Bicycle Thieves because yes. oh, yeah, uh, was it was mistakenly that. taking off the list early on <laughs> when uh, one of our members accidentally forgot that Italian neorealism is different yeah. than French New Wave. Uh, I think that might have been what happened. I did see yeah, uh, so, the one other Italian neorealism film on my that I have seen, and I was like, oh, yeah, we talked about Bicycle Thieves. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that works. Yeah. That's it. I, I have that on my list, too. I yes. think that absolutely needs to be on here. Yep. Uh, and the other film is... Uh, Again, uh, from the Soviet school, which is a very important and impactful film, uh, mm-hmm. w- like era in terms of creating film theory. Like yeah. a lot of major elements of film theory, like the Kuleshov effect and everything. The bunch of stuff is, is created in like Russia during the Soviet Union in Russian film schools. And I think Battleship Potekin is the mm-hmm. classic example. I have not seen it yet. I have I seen either. a bunch of other films from the area. I just watched Man with a Movie Camera next night, last night, which is different, but still slaps. So uh, I, I, I think that that would make yeah. sense. It was also, it was a big influence on Kurosawa as well. I'll just point that out. But yeah, uh, 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 yeah. I also Intertextuality. have on my list. I think it needs to be there. Definitely missing early Soviet film was, was a problem. Um, do you have any others? I don't right now, although I will be currently scrolling through Larabox while you guys do things. I, I have an eight-movie list. Let's let's get through <laughs> Again. it. 
Let's, um, let's go. I'm curious about having an FW Murnau movie. I put Nosferatu on there because I also mm. feel like we're underrepresented in the 20s. Um, we have like two or three movies from the 20s. Um, and adding Battleship Potemkin would add a, give us one more movie in the 20s. But I also think Nosferatu is important. Do it. Get more horror. Or very, very early horror is yes. definitely something that there's a lot of in, in film and that we did not cover at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we can't have M because we have Metropolis, I also think we could do. Um, another one, very I wonder good. about The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. That is... Uh, I watched that recently. It is the first feature animated film that we have that has survived. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... The silent film. It is a silent film. It is interesting. It uses interesting use of color. That being said, I don't know. Okay. I well, don't know. <laughs> seeing as how you're the only person who's seen okay. it, then, then that's that's yeah. up for debate. We might... We might oh, I found another one. Okay, cool. Um, another one that I'm curious about, I poked through some lists of like important cultural touchstones, and um, The Young and the Damned, it might be important. Um, by, by a, I don't know how to say his name, Louis uh, Buñuel. Um, Louis Brunel? Well, there's not an R, but yeah. Um, he's a, never stopped people from pronouncing things <laughs> yeah, that's certain so ways true. before. I'm curious if you're talking about the same person. Yes, <laughs> I'm talking about the no, person I don't know. that okay. you know. Um, yeah, Sp- Spanish filmmaker, did some films in Spain, Mexico, and France. Uh, this is like a very early um, film set in, in Mexico City in 1950. It's apparently quite significant and uh and important and in the interest of adding a bit more diversity i think it would be interesting to have um a mexican film that isn't from the um nuevo cine mexicano uh mm-hmm. i love that pick i love uh luis brunel uh famous film surrealist i have all, i have not seen enough of his movies uh but the stuff i've seen have slapped so mm-hmm. cool uh that's cool um another one i have i i have um I realized we have like no films from India at all, do we? Oh yeah. Uh, so I put. Where you a, think it? I put uh, Pather uh, Panchali. The, that was the, the one I just thought of. Yeah. Yeah, from the first movie of the Apu trilogy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fifty-five. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one that I think might belong as well. Sure. I, I honest. Guess okay, these so might be films that we haven't like seen or, or know right. about but, but, well, yeah, but they're significant made the list in the first place so. it, yeah it true. is i i do need to ask though because so bollywood film is a very big part of the global film market a very small part of the american film market so we are not that familiar i don't know even where to begin because they are like four hour long musicals <laughs> that are insane and go all sorts of places and they produce more movies each year than hollywood does by a lot uh and that feels significant that feels like something we should have on our list somewhere if anyone is familiar with it <laughs> and can give us any guidance, I will try and do more research to figure out what would be a good mm-hmm. pick from that. I think it is important. I also am so, so stupid in this area. So, I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think it would be cool to get, get a Bollywood film. Um, another one that I'm curious about, and I don't know. It's just I see it on a lot of lists, but I don't know how much of it's like, this is for, you know, windy friends type thing, or how much of it's like mm-hmm. actually important. Um, Nobuhuku, ah, wow, 
uh, Nobuhiko Obayashi's house or house. Oh, oh, I've heard. Um, oh, that would, I, that, I think that might make the cut. I think, I think you should add it. Yeah. It is uh, a type of experimental film that we do not have represented on the list. Okay. Uh, it is also has a lot of, okay. It's a very weird movie. Mm-hmm. A girl gets eaten by a piano and a uh, watermelon turns into a flying head and bites a woman on the butt. Yeah, I, I skipped the night that Movie Club watched that. Yeah. So I, I don't think I want to watch it exactly, but I, I think do. it might be important. It is like a living cartoon, and also it is another film that is a reaction to uh, the Hiroshima bombings. Okay, that is By boring. America yeah. in a very interesting way. Um. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like it would be going. The only thing is, it, it is in '77. However, it would technically came out after Star Wars, so it would push Star Wars to 50, and it would be 51. So it might technically not be covered here. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and and then and then obviously a Jacques Tati movie between Playtime, Mon Uncle. I think maybe Playtime is more, maybe more culturally culturally significant to. Uh, film bros nowadays but um personally i like the the gags uh in in mon uncle a little bit better but mm-hmm. I, i'm fine if we want to do playtime that's yeah. that might be a bigger one that's all i have anna have you only had your one i only had playtime so yeah. i think therefore we should include playtime mm-hmm. there we go uh, so I think, but I think what we did is we removed, did we remove eight movies and then add seven? I think we might yeah. have done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was not keeping track. So. I think we removed eight and added seven. Hmm. So, I am, but that might be fine. It might be fine. I'm sure we'll we think of something else that we can uh, Yeah, we might debate. make up for it in the... I know I know. The, we already have some there's uh, not a lot of 20s. about the second half of the list. Yeah. So There's not a lot of 20s representation still though, and that bugs me. Yeah. I wish we had some other like we also have no movies from the tens, which is weird. But which tens? The nineteen tens. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was a dumb question. We have a lot of movies from, from the twenty tens. Yeah, dumb question. Um yeah, but the nineteen tens are on it's it's because we have the Chaplin film as Great Dictator yeah. that we don't have that massively significant something in there like the kid or whatever yeah well film was just in such a different place mm-hmm. at that point uh we yeah we oh. might want to have some connective tissue between a trip to the moon and nosferatu but yeah <laughs> but uh, hey we could mm. also we could also add the cabinet of dr caligari but we might just mm. like you're saying decide oh well it's it's kind of too similar to um metropolis and it's this german expressionism whatever mm-hmm. and i leave it alone um anyway th- this is we're getting into the the little small pieces here and there enough yeah. where, where maybe we could just end end the podcast yeah thank you I, for I listening think we have our thoughts <laughs> if you listen to any or all or just just one or just this one of of our 50 quote, quote from the podcast so what's far? your favorite podcast quote it's impossible uh, uh he big monkey <laughs> He big monkey. It's the only the one that matters. One. Yeah, <laughs> the only one that's relevant. Or the like only true. Oh, we could also add Godzilla. Enough. Do you want to add oh. Godzilla? 
Ooh, having King Kong and Godzilla is that is that too much or is it good? Replace King Kong with Godzilla. King Kong's good. That also yeah. is a, is a response to World War Two. Well, Godzilla is much later. Oh. Yeah, it is much later. Yeah. I just meant like having the two big monster boys. Anyway, I was trying to to close this out. Um, Keep closing us out. Before I was yes, so yes, rudely yes. interrupted. I can't believe it. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you've listened to any of them at all, we appreciate it. Um, and if you haven't listened and you haven't even listened to this, um, congratulations. You're in the majority. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, that's a safe place to be, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. We usually, we usually end with a quote. Um, instead we ended with he big monkey, which is technically more of a quote from the podcast yeah. itself, which is, which is good. That that's fits. That's what, that's what yeah. That's, that's what I was asking yeah. for yeah. because mm-hmm. we're, we're not covering a movie now. We're just covering our podcast. Yeah. So true. Meta episode. Mm-hmm. Um, episode. yeah, you can find us probably on movie overload pod and there's Patreons, there's yes. Twitters, there's Letterboxd. Uh, there's You'll find it. It's so many there. things. Um, but like, let us go back to sleep. Uh, I'll see you later. Uh, Check back in another, in roughly another year when oh, my top uh, five will be completely replaced by it, other movies. <laughs> if <laughs> anybody uh, wants to listen uh, to our next episode, uh, we are going to take a short hiatus before we go into uh, w- what we will casually be rebranding as season three of the Movie Overload Podcast. Yeah, I think three, like every 25 yeah. years or so. Um, <laughs> Or whatever. Every quarter yeah. of the list that we go through, we're yeah. going to rebrand slightly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we should. St- you should still be seeing new episodes get posted for a little bit, but we'll what? be behind the scenes, uh, shaking things up and doing things differently, and, as and not it, recording for a little bit. As I wish I could say yeah. at the end of every episode, movies were a mistake. Uh, <laughs> see you around. Bye. Bye. Bye.